0: And now we're pleased to bring you our feature presentation. How's it going everybody and welcome back to the Parish Pump podcast. Dermot Daisy O'Brien here with you as always. I am flying solo today and I want to talk about an issue that has certainly been a feature of my entire youth work career. Um and lately is coming up in the in the discourse within my political life as well so i I thought i I should dive into it um and really give it some analysis uh and really what- and what I want to do, and I want to challenge myself in that regard because it's easy the way it's presented often at the moment is you know we talk about the impact of drugs um and that's really you know how it comes through in the stories in our lives is where drugs features as an element or a contributor to something bad. Um and that's really contextualized within harmful behavior um on self or on others. Um and that's often related to bad decision making um some of which could be related to illegal activity. Um, but if you think about drug use and something like driving, um you can extract Uh, a connection between drug use and driving where some harm may happen. You can think about drug use and relationships, drug use and other drugs, drug use and sexual behaviour, drug use and violence, drug use and self-harm, drug use and death. Um, And in any one of those headings, you can uh, pick one and then explore how drug use was a contributing factor in a behavior that maybe uh, caused harm on some level or another um and that's so we might hear the story of the harm um and then the drug use becomes uh, the element within that 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 we talk about so there's a relationship between drug use and if you know if you pick out relationships and somebody A relationship. There's a breakup because perhaps one person within the relationship, on a particular occasion, was using drugs and that impeded or had an impact on their decision making, whereby they betrayed their partner, and the consequence of that becomes a breakup. Um, And that's a kind of a very simplistic one. But you know, you could look at pull out the violence, one, and you could a violent act could occur where someone's injured um, or ends up in hospital or something bad happens and you can kind of if there's a drug involved then the drug becomes the core element uh, perhaps of why that violence occurred or why it was so intense or um, and that's so we hear the stories of the the negative activity and behavior and when drugs is a feature, then it's the 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 drugs becomes the subject almost of the of the why. Um and certainly is very much related to the the negative impact. And that's easy in one sense to make that connection and to go with it. But then if we really challenge ourselves and I find myself wondering, you know, if I was to say do, do drugs contribute to good times? And when we talk about drugs what do we mean so if we if we have a drugs and alcohol task force then that recognizes that drugs and alcohol are an issue that are associated with negativity on on various levels um, but i could say you know do drugs contribute to good times and what the, what would i mean by that is that do i mean can drugs feature in friends getting together after work or hanging out after college or meeting up after a sports event um and that could be i can remember even as a child uh i don't know if any other irish people of my generation remember being a kid where your dad plays football and you get you know you every sunday you're hoping that you get the offer of going to the football match and after a while they realized that the whole culture of that is you jump in the car in the morning Everyone piles in. You go off, watch them play a game of football. Then they, f- whether if it's an away game, the the nearest pub to the pitch is where they go after the game. And God knows when you end up getting home that evening. Or if it's a home game, the local is the place uh, where you end up. And and like for me, there's something about I can vividly remember all the important and key and friendly and generous blokes that were in my life as a child uh, who played on my my uh, Lads football team and that was a feat that they're all positive memories for me now you know maybe I didn't pay attention or maybe I didn't notice that some of these dudes by the end of the night had taken too much alcohol and I've no idea what happened on their way home when they got home but for me that was you know the drug of choice obviously was alcohol um, but that was a, a very much uh, integrated into their their sports lives, um, but I have no memories of, of someone being negative towards me in those environments. Um, and, you know, you could then, you could wonder about, do drugs contribute to good times uh, in with smoking, where people are, again, is that something that brings people together, um, having the chats? Uh, do drugs contribute to good times in terms of making music, writing stories, Poetry, creating art um do drugs play or contribute in any positive sense there and is that is it fair to make that connection and try and give it a positive spin or not you know and I know that all those things can happen without them, but is it you know do we dismiss the potential um for drugs to contribute in a positive way and that's I find that challenging, and I think that's a healthy healthy challenge um you know or, or you could even more generalize it more and say you know when someone might say oh i need a coffee so bad um, is that are we talking about drugs there are we talking about caffeine is that a need a desire um if someone said i need a whiskey right now is that worse than needing a coffee if someone says i need a joint right now i need a bag i need a hit you know if 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 we, if we replace the words within there is that does that then become a different level of um not appropriate not acceptable not legal um and within those sentences what does that need represent is it you know i've just had a tough day and i need a glass of wine you know is that taboo that's not a bad thing no i don't think anyone's getting judged for that um and obviously there is no legal implications if you have a glass of wine of an evening after a tough day at work um and maybe some people again have routines we've all you know you, you when i was young yeah you you plan your weekend around going out um and that would involve alcohol and for some people it would involve other things um or people might have a um a, a once in a while scenario where there's a particular drug that's involved um, and that's something that when there's a special occasion or and others then it might be just a, a regular feature. Um, and and the thing about it is uh, for me that, that I, the challenge within that again is how comfortable are we making a decision about the use of a substance um, and in terms of where that sits in the realm of illegal activity, legal activity, um, and wh- what does it represent in terms of a pathway towards something like dependence or addiction, um, or that risky that risk in terms of legal or illegal? Um, how do you how do you get the substance that you're going to use, um, and what's involved in the getting of it? You know, so but there again, it's not so straightforward. Um, and you know, if we're going to stand on the outside. Uh, and look in on drug use. Are we are we qualifying our judgment depending on our own values and our own sense of what's a bad drug, what's a good drug, what's an acceptable drug, what's an unacceptable drug? Is that allowed to change over time, depending on how many people are using uh, any particular drugs? Um, and then when someone, when you know, when we go into the into the world of. Uh, when life presents situations that are hard to cope with or when, when particularly tough times are going on um what substances do we turn to or what substances are presented to us so, and again prescribed non-prescribed uh, over the counter legal illegal herbal um ultimately you know within those headings there's a substance That serves a purpose on some level or another, and maybe that purpose is connected to um, a diagnosis, or whether maybe it's connected to someone's advice or someone's recommendation. Um, But you know, if if someone has unbearable pain, then the chances are there's a substance is required to manage that in order for them to have any any type of life um, or a function on any level, I suppose. Or you know, if someone's dealing with a trauma, a childhood trauma, um, and they ch- require or choose or, you know, manage their life with within the framework of substances, um, on, on whatever level, anxiety, depression, disease. You know, I, I could say I have a heart disease, and the substance that has been prescribed to me is a, is a beta blocker, and beta blocker does its thing. I take them every day. Um, the dosage has increased over time. Um, and yeah, I can. I know specifically each day between about half three and five o'clock, um, my body just crashes. So I need to have a, another substance. So I usually have to have a coffee at that time in order to be able to kind of f- break through that lull where the my you know the beta blockers slow down your heart rate and they kind of create some lethargic uh, buzz at that time of the day where it's just yeah, if, if I wasn't working or I wasn't doing anything or required to do anything I'd probably be snoozing um, and I can I notice that and I'm aware of that and that's again there's a connection there between a prescription that's Supposed to support me in my daily life in terms of this heart disease, um, and you know, so th- there are uh, kind of times when yeah we go to our substances in order to help us manage, um, and beyond that, we also if you think about any, and maybe this is an Irish thing I don't know, but think about any celebration you've ever been invited to, um, and whereby there is a cultural inevitability about the fact that there will be, let's that we can say alcohol for certain, um, and they will feature in that event and they will be intrinsically linked with the enjoyment of that event. So it'll be in a place where alcohol is served. Um, it'll be, um, and if it wasn't, are there places where you can go and and have a party, have a christening or a, uh, a birthday party or a fortieth, a fiftieth. Uh, so culturally, we are we have built this very strong link between enjoyment and the use of alcohol. And is it is, it, is it, again when I think of all these challenging concepts in my mind, is it unfair for a new generation to say, well, we want to link our enjoyment uh, events to weed rather than alcohol? Um, and yeah, so so on one level you judge that by saying, Well, that's illegal. That substance is illegal. So you you cannot you, you shouldn't do it, you can't do it. Um and all the debates then come out of that. But is this uh just a, a pathway towards a change in culture? Um, and that they're the challenging conversations. And I suppose in our youth work, in my youth work experience, um if if young people are making different choices about the substances that they want to use in order to enjoy themselves, or in order to chill out, or in order to disconnect, in order to numb from the tough times in life, um, is it? Uh, do I judge them again based on my own value system and my own sense of which drugs are bad, or which drugs are okay, or which drugs I might have used? Um, and and that then gives us the the big questions about if we're talking about particularly child and adolescent drug use then where does that um sit within our mind when we are thinking about passing judgment or if we're in a role where advice might feature um and and and, and, and that's where for me it gets much more clear um and i and i really find it um I don't have a comfort zone for someone in their 20s, 30s, 40s, 50s sharing their anecdotes about their drug use and then preaching about being, okay, now look at me, I'm grand, I did this, I did that, and I'm fine. Who knows what fine is? Um, but I think what we know now and what's important is that the use of chemical substances in child, children and adolescents um, is a fundamentally different thing than the use of any of those substances in an adult. Um, and that's and we have the benefit of science to tell us that. That the brain, and we talked about this before, the brain of an adolescent is going through fundamental changes um in its very physical um state. Um, and we can't ignore that. So we know that young people, the, the frontal lobe is pruning itself during adolescence. Um, and we know that it's, it's different, again, fundamentally different for a young person to, uh, who's in adolescence or childhood to smoke weed than it is for somebody who is a fully grown adult to smoke weed. So science is telling us that that has a different impact and I think there that when that when that arrives uh, on the scene, it's on us then to change the conversations and really be mindful about how we might present our own values within the acceptance or not of young people's behaviour in, in that regard. So because the brain is different um, and whether it's prescribed or over the counter or not prescribed, legal, illegal substances that we give to our children um, have to be very much managed in a different way than when we make our own choices as adults. Um, And if we're not mindful of the developing body, then that will come back to haunt us, Uh, especially again as a parent. um, If I'm not mindful of the substances that uh, my kids are consuming, whether it's Calpol, whether it's Paracetamol, whether it's sweets from the local, you know, Aldi or whatever, It's essentially on me to decide what substances, you know, I'm going to allow to get inside my child's body and to understand the impact of those. Um, But if I then as a parent and because of culture and because I want to be cool or who knows, like if if I am loose on the consumption of alcohol, let's say, for my 13 year old child, then that's the decision I have to own. Um, and if I don't own it in the clarity of knowing that that is not right in terms of the physiological impact on my child, um, then I should be judged on that, um, and you know, judged by my child uh, for for whatever the impact might be. Um, but judged also, I would say by society because I have no excuse but to, to you know. The only excuse is that I've no. I can't say I don't know. Um, or that I, you know, I don't know how to find out because I think that's there. Um. So when we think about the illegal drug use amongst teenagers in our society now, I think we really have to just pause and consider what picture is being presented to us. And if we're talking about teenagers and their, and, you know, in the political world now, there's, you know again it's, it goes we would start with the impact that all oh, these kids are in school or smoking weed and they're not performing and they're not getting the grades that they should or they're walking around like zombies or or these other kids are very aggressive and if an adult um challenges them or tells them in the public domain stop doing that don't do that then they're squaring up to them or they're being super aggressive and you know we're we're kind of you know in one sense it's easy to say there must be drugs involved or the drugs are the reason Um, and you know if we're going to say the drugs are the reason then that's a little bit lazy I would say because we have to also wonder why are the drugs so if the drugs are the reason for the behaviour then why are the drugs being consumed in the first place and we may have to then wonder about to, in what sense are they part of a recreational activity? In what sense are they being used to numb, to cope, to you know? And 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 how do they understand the impact on themselves before they choose to consume substances? Um, and you know, if we fail and or are reluctant to kind of strip away the reasons, or we just think, I oh, we've not, I don't know how to do. Or what can we do? Um, whether it's weed, alcohol, pills, cigarettes, vaping, I don't know, like, you know, young people seem to be drawn to substances. And for us to preach about that as adults in uh, who are culturally, you know, linked so strongly to the use of that main substance being alcohol, um, then it's really hard for us to preach to them uh, when we're not practicing anything different. We're just, it's just that in our own mind, we see it as different um, so I I think there's a huge conversation there about um and you know about young people and their use of substances and the why of that um and I really think we need to support young people to to try and process the why themselves because in our work in emotional literacy or in understanding you know the drivers and motivations for children and young people's behaviour um we also have to equip them to to make choices and make decisions that are informed and I think that's the biggest challenge of all in terms of drugs is that they're, they're being influenced in their attitudes um, and that's all like you can you know, go on to Instagram or if like I grew up listening to Cypress Hill who are you know now you know back then it was it was a, a dodgy thing to be s- rapping about weed and promoting weed, and but now they're fully fledged businessmen who are uh, working within a legal framework and making a lot of money, and um, and so all the weed promotion is legit, um, and still it's not something that I've ever done or have any interest in doing, but I can comfortably enjoy hip hop music, especially Cypress Hill, one of my favourite groups, um. You're seeing a lot about that substance, but it's a substance that I have no connection with, and that's fine for me. Um, but I think for young people now, they're seeing there's that there, this weed in particular is normalised across the world, but it's normalised in the adult world. Um, and if we're not differentiating between the weed that's normalised in the adult world and the impact that that substance can have on the adolescent mind and brain... Um, then it's we're culpable for that. We're there's a fault there in us, um, and yeah, it's about how do we manage distribution, you know, and and cutting off the the deal, the drug dealing, or the availability of drugs to children and young people. Um, but I think the messaging is probably the most important part of that. That if if young people just associate um their own choices with being the same as their parents, even, and we know and we hear that there's uh, often young people now the first contact with uh, weed in particular, the same as it is with alcohol, is in their own home um, and so that kind of already strips away the the taboo about it because if my parents are doing it then it, it can't be bad or wrong um, but if again if we as parents aren't really clearly defining the difference between the consumption of that in the adult world and in the children's world, which is teenage um and maybe up to whatever 18 to 20 um if we're not really being concrete about that and like giving the layers of information and awareness and kind of trying to influence their attitude and really give them an understanding and set the barriers as well like it's not just to be i think leaving all the decision making up to young people i think there's that balance of how do we support them to make good decisions for them? How do we protect them uh, from the influence that's around them or the availability? Um, and within that, how do we ensure that they are healthy? Uh, because, you know, there is no doubt that there is a link between the consumption of drugs uh, in young people's lives and the impact on their mental health. And again, the impact on their mental health um can can turn into harm, you know, and that harm could be anything from um, a psychosis scenario to uh, a harmful behaviour. Um, and worst case scenario, uh, a young person could end up in a in a in a serious situation where uh, it could affect the rest of their lives. Um, and it, you know, we always tell ourselves it's not going to be me; that won't happen to me. And even when we see it around us. We still don't believe it's going to be us, and that's probably a defence mechanism, and that's again probably fair enough in some sense. Um, but I think there's this challenge, uh, especially in in politics. You know, I really don't want us to fall into the trap or pursue a road of always just judgment and demonization of young people, um, as if they they are you know as if they are the ones that are distributing. The drugs, if they're the ones flying it in from from other parts of the world, if they're the ones that are perpetuating um, an industry uh, of drug use, when they when they're not, that that's adults are doing all that stuff, and um, so there is a responsibility on us to kind of see the picture, um, and to work with all the stakeholders, I suppose, which are parents and educators and youth workers and Gardaí and doctors and GPs and hospitals and mental health professionals. And, you know, there's a challenge there for us to have to have this hymn sheet um, that is about optimum health for young people um, and to really try and give them an ownership of what optimum health looks like and what's involved in that and that it's nutrition and that it's exercise and that it's spending time in nature and that it's breathing and mindfulness and yeah i mean it could we could be getting corny in that regard and we know we we know that young people they do want to be risk taker or the brain tells them in adolescence be a risk taker be impulsive seek pleasure we know that but it's still our job to create the boundaries where they can go and explore life and what goes on there um, and we, we it's on us as significant adults to set those boundaries um, that are protective factors to say you know yeah you're exploring and i understand that um, but there are limits even to that because if we give them a free pass to just go and oh, it'll be it's all learning and you'll be grand in the end um I, you know there are times when that comes back um, and it can be you know that can go back to us in in pretty catastrophic ways, um, whether we believe that it's going to happen to us or not. Um, and I really think the the last thing I would say about it is that if we can't create comfortable conversations with young people in the now about these issues, then it'll be really difficult to try and build um, any sort of programme or any sort of change in the narrative about um, illegal drugs or drugs that that are harmful for young people that there's the start point is if the start point is now then young people have to be involved in the conversation without judgement uh, so that they can say well here's how it is now here's how it is in my life in my drug use um, and here's why and here's where you know and that we get a, this uh, the most comprehensive picture of the why um, and that we listen to young people because if a young person is smoking weed because they need to numb because life is, is just too tough. Then we've got, it's on us to, to deal with the too tough part. Um, so that then they can really have, a, a, a an opportunity to make a decision about numbing or not numbing or not needing to, to choose a substance that will help them to numb because life is unbearable, um, That's not fair that that that's the only option that that we leave them with. And, you know, when we move out of adolescence, you know, it's not, we don't just simply then not need drugs or we don't just simply stop making bad decisions because all that brain development is finished. And for me, what I see in in people in their 20s and 30s is, you know, truthfully, what I see is that there's just new drugs added to the menu. Um And that presents its challenges, though, so if you know, if you grew up smoking weed or drinking alcohol and taking pills every now and then as a teenager, um, ultimately, you're going to be presented with the opportunity for cocaine and other types of pills and a wider variety of pills that will do a wider variety of things. Um, And again, if that's part of the culture of who you're hanging out with or the norm in terms of that's what you do at the weekend. um. That's on one level. If that's what you do at the weekend, it's the same as that's what you know going for a load of points at the weekend or or whatever. Um, but if within your life there are struggles and challenges, um, and then these substances become uh, a factor when in trying to manage or helping you to cope or really giving you an opportunity to not have to think or deal or manage, uh those tough times or the challenges in your life. Put that alongside the chemical dependency that will kick in um, and you got yourself in a scenario that might just be difficult to step away from. And that's again where we have to take a role within politics, within youth work, within the caring sector to be able to say that we can't and shouldn't just demonize those who are who find themselves in a situation where drugs is is uh, becoming uh, a challenge or there's a dependency or they are uh, their behavior is changing in so far as harm is being caused mostly to themselves i would say or they're unable to maintain a connection with education or with work um and that's you know their their mood swings and they can't hold down relationships um that when all that kind of kicks in over time and within that there's a dependency issue then you know d- demonizing or you know criminalizing uh, people who are in that situation isn't necessarily putting them on the pathway to positive change um and you know that is something that again i find there's challenges there in the in how you process that you know that I could say that the 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 drug barons or the gangsters that are bringing drugs into Ireland and anyone who's associated. So if you buy a bag of weed, um, you are also perpetuating the the gangster behaviour, which also involves human trafficking, prostitution, severe violence, um, other types of drugs, and um, so you can't just say that. Sure, I only smoke weed. Um, if you're can if you're in the world of of Illegal drugs, then you are perpetuating uh, that that element of hugely hugely grave and dangerous uh, g- gangster behaviour, um, and that's obviously very difficult and p- probably a little bit harsh for to to demand that people people reconcile. If you're if you're taking cocaine in a bar in Bray at the weekend, then you are fundamentally part of. Um, the cartels and gangs that are reaping havoc across our country. Um, no one wants to have to reconcile that thought process, uh, because we because it's easier to distance yourselves. I don't have to see. I don't have to look in the eye. I don't have to witness the behaviour of any of those people. It's distant from me, so I don't need to know about it. Um, and yeah, so there, there's challenges there for someone like me, who's in the youth work and political and in education, to be able to in, you know, integrate that into the decision-making. Um, integrate it into how the world we want, um, and use that as a way maybe to challenge your own decision-making around substances, is that in the world that we want in the ideal future, um, or if if I was explaining to my children as a father, Where substances featured in my life, uh, for in the positive, uh, how would I do that? And if I was trying to give and share some wisdom about where and when substances in my life were a negative, um, then could I do that comfortably, or would I be embarrassed and ashamed? Um, And I think there, the the, we avoid those. We certainly avoid the conversations with ourselves, and we absolutely avoid having conversations with other people. Uh, when we when it comes to substances and the, the when they're negative or how they're negative, because once we start doing that, then that's going to impact on the our our behavior and culture of connection with our friends. So that if everyone's doing cocaine at the weekend, and I realize that it's not for me, and it's really not you know I've I've noticed that it's causing me harm, and I'm a little bit concerned that it's going to be that things are going to get worse, then can I still go out and hang out with my... And I remember that I, I, not in terms of cocaine, but in, in terms of alcohol, I quit drinking when I was 20, on my 20th birthday. And part of that was, you know, me challenging myself. And it was more really linked with my identity and how I saw myself and how I wanted people to see me. And some of that then was about... Being a control freak and not wanting to people to see me making a show of myself or doing silly things, and so there was a whole—it was a very conscious thing that I, when I gave up alcohol, it wasn't because I was struggling with it per se. Yes, I drank my fair share between the ages of fifteen and twenty, but uh, beyond that, it was about this—you know—image of myself that I wanted to feed into, which was oh, I don't need drink, I can still go out at the weekends, I can still go dancing, I can still carry myself as a wannabe tough guy or still wear weird and strange clothes and have weird and strange haircuts and still get away with it. Um, and that was something then, that, you know, I just, the momentum of that continued on throughout my life. So, f- substances were were not my go-to um, in any sense and that was, yeah, linked to my own identity um, and and that's different for everybody, uh, and maybe it does have a it does have an impact on where your social life might find itself or uh, who you might hang around. But I hung around with lots and lots of people who know who they are and know what they were involved in, and I had some really really some of my best best friends um, had had very different uh, behaviours when it came to substances, um, so that didn't define whether we could be or friends are not friends um, but it did kind of limit the times that we could uh, hang out together or the context within which we could have uh, good times um, but I think there that's adulthood and, and I suppose in adulthood we do have to take responsibility for our own decisions um, but if we really want to cast our gaze to child and adolescent um, times and really support young people in their in making decisions um, that that ultimately benefit them. And, and you know, I don't care what anyone says, that if, if a 13-year-old begins their connection with weed at that age, then I don't see how how any intermittent, semi-regular use from 13 upwards is going to have anything but a negative impact on their future. Um, and I'm not even going to go into the world of... Drug debt and drug intimidation, because that again all features in there. In that, how do you sustain your use of substances without money and without an income? And when that, when there aren't many jobs around, and then you've got other offers to help you sustain it, then it's likely that you will take those offers. So if someone is saying, you know, you're a little bit, uh, you owe a little bit here and there, but here's a way of, um, covering that debt and um, then you you know you're sucked into something that will then have to sustain itself because once you hand over uh, your decision making and your ownership of that to someone else and you're beholden to them um, then you're in trouble you know and again like i'm very reluctant to judge people um, who find themselves caught up in that. And I'm much more interested in supporting people to navigate themselves out of it. And I'm absolutely um, interested in removing this lazy kind of um, judgment of society on those who find themselves presenting with the negative impact. Um, whereas if you're hidden away and we don't have to see the negative impact, we don't have to deal with it, then we don't mind. Um, and it's this hidden uh, the hidden harm of drug use that is really going to is what i'm worried about the most because the, when that really lands in society i think then we're going to have a huge piece of work to try and unravel and undo um the the all the complexities of how drug use in our communities and in our society uh, is ultimately um causing harm to the detriment of the flourishing of of our societies. So I think that's all I've got. I've gone on there and I've just winged it completely, but um, I'll reflect on where I've gone with it and I wonder what, what I haven't covered or where I haven't gone. But what I will say is that if we don't have the conversations and we don't frame them within a health promotion context, then we're not going to start from the right place and I think we'll end up continually firefighting this issue and debating it um, rather than you know, starting from a healthy place and trying to work our way into an ideal place. So Thanks for listening in and I will talk to you all very soon. All the best.